Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the FIGHT podcast podcast your weekly combat sports and culture podcast yes i'm your host sergi Senta, and we have a great show lined up for you today um this week we cover all the crazy mma news over the past week we also have an exclusive interview with mma heavyweight prospect and newly signed to the ufc after his big win in the dana white tuesday night contender series the returning Juan the Kraken Adams. Uh, we have a great interview with him. I'll also introduce this week's prospect alert, as well as our IG story poll results, fan questions, and my hot takes of the week. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. And support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud right now. And do not forget to purchase merch today. Yo, it's been a wild few days. Uh, I mean, we did have, you know, this great weekend of fights. Uh, Not only do we have, you know, the UFC 227, uh, we also had, you know, some crazy boxing fights. Uh, Kovalev getting knocked out. Um, All kind of crazy stuff. I mean, there there were huge fight announcements after the UFC 25-year anniversary um, uh, show. Um, and, uh, we talked about a lot of those things in episode 24, uh, our, our bonus episode this past week. So check that out if you hadn't had an opportunity. Um, I've also been rocking with all the new music that's been, uh, coming out this past couple weeks. And especially this last weekend, uh, there was that like Travis Scott, which honestly never really been a fan, but you know what, man, Gotta show some love to the young dude. Uh, really, really dope album. Listening to her and uh, all kind, just vibing out to those type of things. Uh, what else has been happening this week? 
politicians are being caught and get or should I say getting caught up, you know, in lies and contradicting themselves on tweets. Um, Alex Jones got kicked off of uh, all social medias, it seems like. And uh, it's just been a, a wild, wild week. I mean, shoot, it's hot everywhere. It's been like dancing in the 90s here in Chicago every day. So believe me, when it dropped down to like 75 tonight, when I went to go ahead and walk the dog, I was like super excited. Uh, <laughs> but um, yo, I have a great uh, episode here for you today. Juan Adams. Um, Ron Adams is our, he was our first guest ever uh, here on the Fight Podcast. And he has returned. He returns to the Fight Podcast after his huge win in the uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. I love that series. And there's so many dynamic fighters that have come out of that already. Um, but we'll talk about his new UFC contract. And uh, you guys are going to go ahead and love that interview with Juan. He's a great dude. He has a great personality for the sport. And uh, I definitely believe he'll one day be a star. Um, I also have a surprise for you. Uh, we'll be doing something a little bit different during our fight news portion of the show. And uh, I know you're going to love it. Um, but without further ado, yo, I can't stun. I don't know if I've ever said that out loud. <laughs> but here is... Um, our interview with Juan Adams. Um, for those of us who do not remember, uh, we had the pleasure of speaking with Juan Adams a little earlier, um, a few weeks ago, uh, before this past fight. But the 4-0 heavyweight is fresh off of his impressive uh, win um, last weekend at the Tuesday Night Contender Series. He KO'd Sean Teed in less than a round. Um this was a fun interview, man. We were able to go ahead and talk about his big win, what's next, and so much more. He's a great dude, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Juan the Kraken Adams, exclusively here on the Fight Podcast. Yes, sir. What's good, bro? Nothing much, man. Just celebrating being in the UFC and everything. Driving home from the airport now. Dude, first and foremost, congratulations, man. Uh, I can't stop, man. I was sitting there watching the Dan Wack Tennis Series jumping up and down on my couch over here talking to my dog like, hell yeah, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so yeah. congratulations, man. Amazing performance. I mean, for those who don't know, you, you beat up. Sean T in like what four minutes and 17 seconds of non-stop punching <laughs> in the first round man so congrats man how was that experience for you bro honestly it was amazing uh, I was just so so focused and so ready to go in there and do what I needed to do that uh, nothing could really stop me and that's all I was thinking was just how uh, nothing was going to stop me that day Man, it, it, it was funny watching it, man, because as soon as you guys walked out there, it looked like there was two totally different levels of, like, intensity, right? You walked yeah. in there visibly, like, super confident. You're like, oh, I like, you just it, like, had a look about you. I mean, you blasted the doors open. You, like, walked in there. And it definitely seemed like, I was like, you like, okay, I got this. The moment he walked in, he didn't have that same look in his eyes. Did you feel that way? Or was it, like, something like, what did you see when you guys, like, first, like, even, like, faced off? Um, you know, he he had been trying to get in my head ever since we went up there for our media stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. He had his little buddy with him. They were trying to, like, talk to me in the elevator. I kind of just didn't even acknowledge his existence, you know. Yeah. So, whole time, you know, he's trying to do all this stuff. 
and I just ignored him. You know, I knew what I was there to do. Right. I knew he wasn't on my level, so it was real funny, you know, like, uh, we're in the cage, and he looks across at me, and he asks if we're going to touch gloves, and I was just like, nah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you want to be, you want to be friends now. You want to be buddies before I punch yeah, you in the yeah, face. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I, I set the tone for the fight, and once I set the pace, he couldn't match it. Right. Um, when you were there, I mean, how long before? Because I've asked you if you follow you on like IG and stuff. You know, it seems like you were like kind of like back and forth between Vegas, man. Um, how long were you there beforehand? And I see you're at the Performance Institute, bro. How was how was like the Performance Institute? Um, well, I went up there four weeks in advance, and okay. it wasn't. Uh, I was just posting stuff from the same trip. It wasn't like uh, <laughs> I changed. I changed outfits like three or four times up there to make it look like we were back and forth. But uh, I like that and, in you, uh, bro. The, the performance is just amazing. The food up there is great. Mm. You know, it's really a next level for nutrition for the athletes. I'm not alone, and then all the equipment and things they have up there are just next level top of the line everything yo uh would you especially now that you're in the ufc is that a, a tool that you'll definitely utilize yeah yeah we'll definitely be making some trips out there for sure uh i don't think i'll be living there full time yeah ever i love what i'm doing down in houston and Absolutely. vegas man that that heat it's a, it's a dry heat but it dries out your whole system man i don't, <laughs> I don't like that dude um be uh, so okay so trash talking right there's I, I think that there has to be an art to trash talking and no and and not all trash talk is created equal you my friend have gotten a grasp of that what is the difference between good trash talk and just tr- just garbage trash talk you know uh good trash talk there has to be a little bit element of hyperbole in there a little bit of exaggeration but not too much it still has to be somewhat believable and it has to be in line with your character and who you are you know right once you cross the line from funny to just mean Mm -hmm. it's not funny anymore like people people are just like damn i can't believe he said that but it's not it's not that great right um and that's where you know i try and keep mine all about me absolutely make it I very rarely try and make it about my opponent. Uh, I don't get into specifics. I don't try and make it super personal or anything. Just keep it funny, keep it lighthearted, and yeah. um, has to have a little bit of edge to it. So oh, uh, absolutely, dude. Well, like, so getting a contract in the UFC now. And it seems like, and I mean, even like Dana even kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, they need heavyweights. You know, what kind of splash do you feel that you can make right away? And, you know, being like you said, you're coming in, you know, where do you see yourself being even at the end of the year? Uh, well, this year is almost over. If I get a fight before the end of the year, it's definitely going to be a huge splash. Oh, yeah. Whenever I fight, you know, the world's going to know, mm-hmm. uh, period. You know, I'm, I'm going to bring something to this division that they've never seen before. I'm a different type of athlete, and, you know, the, they're going to know sooner or later. And uh, I'm not worried about Dana. Dana loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, I gained a lot of fans from that fight. And uh, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely eyes on me now, and that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I get the stage, I'm not going to give it up. Right. Yo, so what do you do? Because in your performance, one thing that I found super interesting, and again, they talked about it a little bit uh, during the broadcast, you, your cardio, man. Can you t- touch a little bit on that? Because seriously, you're a big dude. You cut to 265. You literally did not stop throwing punches the entire fight. 
So, I mean, I can pull the numbers up, but it was something ridiculous. I remember looking at it. Uh, like, what is it that you attribute to? Have you always had, I mean, I know you're a wrestler. Like, have you always had, like, just, like, ridiculous cardio? Or, I mean, where does it come from? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is genetic. I've always been, uh, you know, people have always commented on how agile and how well I move for my size and how, you know, how much energy I had. Um you know, we, we worked on it. You know, I, I, I wrestled, you know, we, we're all about the grind. I'm all about pushing myself to the limit. And, you know, I, I train in fight camp, you know, a minimum of two times a day. Usually it's around three to four times a day. And right. I always find the energy and I have to keep going. I have to keep pushing myself. And the more you do, the more you can do. So... It's just it's it's been ten years in the making now, but now it's it's, it's a crucial part of my game. That's dope, man. Um, being have you noticed already in the what a week and a half, two weeks since you performed? Has there already been a difference? Can you have people been like recognizing people been like, "Yo, you that dude" or anything? Have you noticed anything different? Yeah, yeah, it, it's been a. Usually when I'm driving Lyft, I've had a Lyft driver recognize me on a picture. Uh, this girl that was in the, I did a Lyft share, a ride share, and uh, and she was, um, she recognized me in one of the pictures. So, hold on. And so, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I got on, um, you know, people, people recognize me more and more. Uh, everyone from back home is just like, wow, I can't believe you actually did it. You finally made it. So it's been huge. Well, you know, that goes into my next question, man, because we talked about this a little bit. Now, with people paying attention, man, how the ladies treating you, bro? I mean, I've been watching your IG and stuff, man. I see how they treating you. What's going on? Uh, they definitely <laughs> treat me a lot better, but um, I'm treating them the same, you know? <laughs> I, I never change. Uh, I'm not going to let it change me at all. Uh, I called it before, and I knew it was going to happen, so yeah. we're just doing our thing. That's what's up, man. Well, look, we're, we're going to wrap it up soon, man, but now that you're back in Houston, bro, uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? Are you just looking to get some rest for a little bit? Are you jumping back into it? I mean, what are you doing now that you're back in Houston? Um, so I actually get back in the gym this week, okay. and from there I go, and I just, um, we're taking it light this week. Gonna start hitting it hard again next week. Mm-hmm. We're modifying the diet again. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back in the gym as of today. So I'm, I'm excited. That's what's up, man. So speaking of diet, just real quick, you're talking about it. I mean, do you are you planning to like when you're talking about modifying the diet, are you trying to like lean up or are you trying to just like just get as strong as you can, athletic as you can? Like what what are you doing anything specifically different? Um no, we're gonna keep doing more of the same, you know. I wanna get as strong and as athletic as I can. Um the more muscle we put on, the easier these cuts are going to get. Yeah. So it's easier to pull water from muscle than it is from fat, mm-hmm. period. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, I'm, I'm embracing this grind. And I want to get, you know, walking around at about 290, 295 okay. is uh, where I'm most comfortable. And then cutting, 
we've got a process to it, and mm-hmm. now I want to stick to it. That's what's up, brother. Well, hey, look, uh, I'm gonna get you out of here with this, bro. And hey, man, I want to get you back on here. You were our fir- my first uh, guest on the show. You're my first person coming back, so I definitely appreciate you, man. <laughs> um, so, uh, any any video games, any games, anything like that you've been playing is your back. Are you gonna be like looking forward to getting into? Uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon. I want to start getting in, uh, get back into Madden. I haven't touched Madden in, in a minute now. Okay. Madden 2K. And um, I'm thinking about getting a Nintendo Switch also and seeing, uh, I think they're bringing Skyrim to that. So yeah. I really want to get on that. I can't lie, man. I, 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 I will stop myself at first, but that has to be purchased. I have to make soon, man. I saw this little kid on a plane with it not too long ago. And I think I, I was jealous the entire flight, man. It, yeah, it was awful, dude, man. That, that thing is nice. <laughs> that thing is nice. That's what's up, bro. Well, hey, man, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, congratulations on all your success. Uh, definitely look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon in the future, man. But, dude, uh, anything you want to say to the people before you take off? Um, no, I just thank y'all for the continued support. Give me a follow, uh, Chosen One Two Eight Five. Uh, shout out to my trainer Ryan Casey Baker and my sponsors at uh, Jet Hot Premium Coatings and FlemingAttorneys.com. That's what's up, man. Juan Adams, congrats again, brother. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time, bro. No problem. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Later. Peace up. Yes, that was our interview with Juan the Kraken Adams. Definitely want to thank that dude for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I told you, man, he's a great guy, great interview, and I really, really, really do appreciate his time. Uh, All right. Um, I can't stop, man. I'm feeling pretty good today. Uh, It's probably because I've been uh, since it's so, so hot I'm super hydrated, man. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's really good being here with you today. Uh, we still have fight news to come. Uh, this week's prospect alert, and I will be answering fan questions. But uh, before all that, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow The Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast. And make sure to follow me at Serge Vicente. Don't forget to support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today. All right, so this week, uh, Prospect Alert, (laughs) Uh, we're going to take time out to highlight the possible future of women's MMA with a record of 5-0, Macy the Future Barber. Uh, She's 5-0, and out of her five wins, four of those are finishes. Macy is incredible, man. Yo, I don't get excited about young fighters especially ones that are only 20 years old but macy is so 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 well schooled um 
she's she if you watch her fight man she has the same type of demeanor as like a seasoned vet uh she's athletic she's explosive and unlike a lot of her other young you know the other young prospects especially young prospects her age you know just 20 years old she has an incredible fight iq um now that doesn't mean she doesn't you know make some mistakes and and she doesn't you know she's she's still 20 and she still has certain things she needs to share up but she's so well-rounded and she has such a great upside i mean there are other people out there and other fighters that oh you know are young and have potential but they didn't have that the patience they didn't have the the they they had all the aggression they had all the great stuff but they didn't know how to pretty much take a step back and you know assess the situation they they react surely off of emotion and that's one thing that i will say i did not notice out of macy um i was able to watch macy and she was in week six of the dana white tuesday night contender series and when they first had her especially as the main event i'm not gonna lie i was skeptical and the reason i'm saying i was skeptical is strictly because why would they have a 20 year old kid with only three pro fights headlining a show that's for all practical purposes really starting to pick up steam and people are actually notifying and actually noticing that this is a lot of top flight talent so she had pressure on herself and it impressed me because you wouldn't even be able to tell all the pressure Dana White sitting in the room, Sean Shelby, the other guy, I have no idea what his name is. <laughs> um, these people are here. It's a big crowd. You have pros in the audience. People that you know she admires are there. And she goes out there and performs like a seasoned vet. I couldn't have been more impressed. Uh she has a chin so one thing that i did notice is that she has no issue taking one to give one right um she she has a lot of things and she does a lot of savvy things that veterans do uh, one thing that i really noticed in a lot of her fights is that she wins in the clinch she uses her aggression to get great position she wins in the clinch and then what she ends up doing is that she has great head position so if you have great head position especially in the clinch you stifle your opponent's movement and just that she stifles her opponent's movements enough she does this, and this is something that a lot of even veterans I have not seen do, at least not do well. And being somebody that's only 20 years old, I mean, she's doing a great job. Now, just a little bit about Macy's background. She's been training not just martial arts, but MMA in particular since she was three years old. Yo, she's 20 years old. The UFC first made its name and first debuted in 93. It's been around longer than she's been alive. So she's one of these up and coming prospects that have grown up with the sport. Her family also owns a gym. So she's well schooled, not just in MMA or just kickboxing or wrestling or whatever. She's well schooled in everything. And that's why, and this is something that I'm going to go ahead and talk about later on in the show, but this is why I don't believe 
wrestling in the future is going to be the only like thing and i know people are going to be thinking i've been poo-pooing on wrestling all day but uh that's not the case i love wrestling and um and i think it's such a great skill to have but it's not the most important thing anymore because people are using it and they have it already as a part of their game um so not only is she be doing this so three you know like i said her family lifelong so she's about that life right her she's 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 all and so is her family her and her family all about that life uh she also wants to be the youngest champ in ufc history uh she to the point that this chick um or should i say this young lady has it tatted on her arm the date to the day to remember to give herself that reminder that she needs to win a championship by that day yo yo that's commitment fam and that's commitment that i am be honest with you i don't know I'd, I'd be willing to do <laughs> but she was and i honored that so you know what man um Macy Barber is a beast and she's brought along the right way and correctly by the UFC. They absolutely have a star on their hands. They cannot mess this up. Uh, Barber's first fight for the UFC was just announced this week and it's against the six and five. Man, that's a super saucy record. And she's 0-1 in the UFC, Maia Stevenson. Uh, this fight will take place in UFC Fight Night 139 in Denver, Colorado. It should be dope. I think it's a great matchup for her for her first fight in the UFC. And I can't wait to see her career continue to grow. So pay attention to Macy, the future barber. Boom. There it is. Uh, this is the Five Podcast. And by now, I'm sure you know who I am. I'm your host, Serge Vicente. Um, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Remember also to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Make sure to follow me at Serge Vicente. And uh, remember, support the Fight Podcast and Sage Eats. Sage Eats, www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months and go ahead and follow the fight podcast at the fight podcast and www.thefightpodcast.com so fight news um i'm looking forward to this point in the show today because we're going to do something a little bit different i had the unique pleasure to speak with one of my boys prism puerto ricanism prism is a friend of mine and he is a former training partner he has pro MMA, pro kickboxing, and pro boxing fights. He's a lifelong martial artist who's traveled around the globe. I'm telling you, around the entire globe to go ahead and learn from the best trainers and instructors and masters in the world. This dude is a legitimate martial artist, man. He's also a performing musician. Reggaeton, hip hop. He has a real, really, really dope Chicago influence. He's right here from Chicago, right from the Humble Park area. Um, he's a really interesting dude. Uh, he has so, so much fight knowledge, and he is, uh, you know what, man, just like me, he's a fight nerd. So I hope you enjoy this week's fight news with my boy Prism. We've already been here for like a couple minutes, but whatever. What's going on, bruh? I'm here with Prism, the man himself, Puerto Ricanism. What do you do, bruh? What's up, Sergio? 
Thanks uh, for having me on the podcast, man. I've been I've been I've been watching you online. I don't keep a Facebook or an Instagram, but I do have Twitter, and I see that your presence is on Twitter as well. So I know you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, holding it down. Oh, uh, dude, you know how it is, man. I got to make sure I'm uh I'm pumping the show wherever I possibly can. And you know, Twitter is a fantastic place that I could get sit back and and you know mess with trolls and on politics. I do that <laughs> yes. all day long, man. That, that's a that's a passion of mine, man. If I really want to get myself going, I go ahead and I I, I mess with some uh, crazy right wingers on uh, online and I talk trash <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine you can have a great deal of uh, fun doing that. Oh dude, it's great, man. But bro, um. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, like we talked about before, hopefully we can do this, you know, uh, you know, consistently. Um, we're going to definitely talk about fight news. And uh, each and every podcast, I break down fight news. So I'm really, really excited to have somebody with your wealth of experience and not only your wealth of experience, with your unique perspective, um, being somebody who's actually been in the cage, been in a ring, you you've, you felt it, you know what it's like, You so you know the grind of it, you know? But yes. um, something people might not know, you know again listeners to my show and everything not only have you competed professionally um in kickboxing and mma yeah in both yes cool and, uh, but not only that you're a musician you're you are a you know a musician you know uh reggaeton hip-hop you know you 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 travel you uh you perform consistently um man please tell, tell, tell people a little bit about yourself man a little bit more about yourself well, it's been a it's been a long road uh, culminating to the person that I have become today, which is pretty interesting. It just so happened that uh, music actually came into my life previously because, you know, growing up in the Humble Park area, my my mother and my father were deeply into music. And my mother was a very good vocalist. She was into the Motown vocalists that, you know, we listened to in the days past and that are still prominent today when you listen to good quality music. Um, as I grew up, I ended up being influenced even more by other family members who were recording music. And I found myself in the studio at the age of 13 or 14 recording a different genre of music uh, on a chorus for one of my cousin's songs, which is freestyle music here in Chicago. Freestyle and house music was prominent in the early 90s. Yes, sir. So we were doing <laughs> hip house and hip hop. It was like hip hop and house fusion, which was called hip house, yep. like the white nights and the fast eddies. And we were doing freestyle as well. Um, I, at the age of 14, started writing hip hop. I, at that point, I was inspired to write myself. I didn't know what the verses were, but I started to create my own rhymes. And then uh, at the age of 16, I found myself in situations where I was able to perform at these uh, local venues that people knew me. They already knew about my presence doing music. So at the age of 16, I was already performing at venues that I wasn't even supposed to be in yet. Right. And being that I was going into my 16, 17 and 18 years of age, uh, standing outside of the local clubs where the rappers were at on the ciphers, I had to really learn how to defend myself lyrically with the rhyme. So I really became competitive when it came to emceeing and rhyming. At the age of 17 and 18, I got into traditional karate, uh, and then I started learning the traditional martial arts. From karate, uh, spending two years in that, but previous to becoming a black belt at a brown belt stage, I went into Jeet Kune Do. Mm -hmm. Knowing, uh, That's what, Bruce Lee's thing. Bruce Lee yes. was known for you know really developing that, 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 that unique martial art in itself. Yes, so what I ended up doing was, uh, as a brown belt, Knowing what I thought I knew, going into Jeet Kune Do, I realized that it was able to open that 
book way, way more, and that there was a significant amount of chapters for me to begin to learn again from. So I started to learn the various systems that are encompassed in the Jeet Kune Do system. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I found myself uh, traveling around. I ended up going to uh, Thailand and trained in Muay Thai. That's so amazing, I, man. That was a great experience. Um, I ended up going to uh, Japan as well and training there, learning a little bit about the karate at the Kodokan. And uh, I'm sorry, at the uh, Kyoto Budo Center. And um, I was able to really kind of expound further what the martial arts were about, not just the external aspects of them, but the internal aspects of them. Mm-hmm. We can get a little bit further into that and on a whole nother conversation. But oh, I've, absolutely. Got, I've well, gotten to the point where I'm doing internal and external. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think one thing is super dope because and, and again, that's how you and I met each other. You and I met each other training, you know, way back in the day. Um, now, one thing I want to ask, and, I, and it's cool to listen, hear your perspective, because you are somebody who I consider a legitimate martial artist, right? You've traveled the world to continue honing your art. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you've done it for years, not only in, you know, in, you know, your martial arts aspect, but also musically as well. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about really quick before we jump into it. I know you have a couple uh, topics that we're going to jump into right away um, for our news. But the correlation between hip hop in combat sports there yes. always seems to be a correlation there because of the competitive aspect. Can you kind of break that down a little bit just in your own words? Certainly. Well, uh, coming up as one of the only, the only Latin Puerto Rican rappers. Man, hit that stand up. That's what I'm talking about. We here. That's representing. The thing is, is that if I didn't represent, I was just going to get smashed. I was going to get stomped on, you know, uh, so to speak. So I had to make sure that I came strong with my lyrics. And I would never have put myself in a cipher if I wasn't prepared to display my skills. So in that aspect, it was a very competitive uh, uh Seen right. on the hip hop in the hip hop community here in Chicago at that time because there were a lot of uh, rappers, but there were very few Latin or Puerto Rican specifically MCs that were coming from where I was at. Man, that's and, still uh, And it just so happened that I continued to write and write and write, and my body of music uh, spanned so far that by the time people were already done giving me their verses, I had pages and pages of lyrics already in my mind. Plus, as time progressed in the early '90s, I became um, much more avid at freestyling. So what this comes to as far as traditional martial arts go and how, how they correlate, it just so happens that like I came up in music with the structure of being able to write, I didn't know how to freestyle at first. Mm-hmm. I then became a better freestyle artist, like being able to improvise. When I came into the martial arts, not only did that competitive aspect continue to uh, perpetuate itself, in terms of sparring and being able to continue to grow and, and, and making sure that I was able to uh, sharpen my techniques and cultivate the techniques of kicking, punching, stances, et cetera, balance. But as I got better, I was able to transcend the traditional teachings I was given, meaning I wasn't only doing specific techniques that I was given through the, through the framework of the system, but as I progressed, I was able to take what was useful, dispose what I found was not, and then add what was essentially my own. So now I was able to free up the skills and be able to employ them when necessary. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that really does get into martial arts and just combat sports. I mean, they really do go hand in hand. And I think that's why throughout history, we've even seen in boxing, you saw, you know, because hip hop, the competitive, you can relate. And I think that's why they relate to combat sports athletes. And in turn, combat sports athletes relate to hip hop in that music and that grind. Because a lot of times these people come from the same socioeconomic backgrounds. Yes. It's the same, you know, um, grit and determination that gets gets people to the top in in each industry. And I think that's why you even see the marriage of the two. You've always seen hip hop artists with, you know, walkouts with people, even all the way back to, you know, Mike Tyson coming out with Pac. You know, you, yes. you had that. Uh, even Classic. nowadays, you know, you got people coming out to, you know, a lot of these new art. And, and, I mean, and that's just something that's ingratiated in the sport, which I love, man. And again, me being somebody, and I think that's why, again, both of us are from the same area in Chicago. We both grew up at Humboldt Park, which for those of us who don't know Chicago, it is the predominantly Puerto Rican neighborhood. It still to this day is predominantly the Puerto Rican neighborhood here in Chicago. It's on the west side. It is like literally two 20-foot Puerto Rican flags are done on the each side of the park, and they're not going anywhere. I'm sorry. We're not taking them down. It's not happening. Uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, like I said, we're from that area, and I think that's it, it's interesting how people are like that. We, we, we have the same love for the music and for hip-hop and that, that, that competitiveness in it. And, uh, and for instance, that's why I think Pusha T destroyed Drake. I'm like, it's verbal sparring, and that's what exactly <laughs> what we just saw, and I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but then it yeah. also, on the, uh, the, the martial arts end as well but speaking of the martial arts and i know you and i can talk hip-hop in in our backgrounds forever because it is very very interesting and i and i would love for us to do that at some point in time very soon uh but uh fight news uh we're gonna jump directly into fight news for you guys today and um we're gonna start off prism i know uh you have some topics for me so the way we're gonna end up doing this is uh each of us have a number of topics look at this my man's getting his vandalay silva on getting ready <laughs> the ad looking like the axe murderer uh uh um, so we're going to go ahead. I'm going to toss it back and forth. We're leading with you, and we're going to go back and forth. Uh, we each have a number of topics, and not only do we have a number of topics, uh, we each have a topic that we did not discuss prior to. Um, so we're just going to jump into it, and I want to see what you're going to do. So, Prism, so, my dude, what, what's the first thing we have for today? What is in the fight news this week that, uh, that the people need to know about? Well, the first thing I wanted to do is bounce it right back on you because I need to get your perspective on this. I mean, all right, all right. I watched it for myself. I looked at it and it was so close. It was so tight. It was very competitive. And I have to ask you <laughs> about the Henry Cejudo versus Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson fight. This has to be a subject of discussion because I need to know what did you think about it? I know it's difficult to kind of uh, uh, figure out whether uh, the dominant aspect was the striking, was it the aggression, was it the wrestling? What dynamic caused the referees, or should say the judges, to say, okay, this man is the victor over Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And I'm trying to come from an unbiased perspective and look at it from, okay, cool, maybe that was part of the game plan, but what is your take on this? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked. And and the thing is, and I did break it down a little bit in episode uh, 24 of the podcast that uh, released this uh, past Sunday directly after the fights, uh, but... I, I did that so that I can sit there and I, I wanted an unbiased opinion. I saw the fight. I watched it three times and then I want to put my own thing before I listen to everybody else's nonsense, right? right? After listening to everybody else's nonsense, 
I still 100% believe that Demetrius Johnson won the fight. The second thing I believe is that when everyone's saying this is the most entertaining fight in uh, flyweight history, I think it's BS. Um, I don't think the fight was actually that entertaining. Um, not only do I think it's that entertaining, I thought Demetrius Johnson won handily. So um, this is, a, I think, more of anything else, and I'm realizing it the more I listen to other breakdowns. For instance, I'm listening. I heard like the Brendan Schaub's of the world. I listened to the Chael Sonnens of the world. Even like Ariel Hawani and, and these individuals who I have a lot of respect for, right? And um, I realize that I think people, we have different perspectives, and it depends on your background, right? If your background or where your love is is grappling and jujitsu and wrestling, I think people tend to score things that way and Such put as more Daniel precedence. Cormier exactly. Salute. How about that? Another and, subject matter. Exactly. And I had an issue with Daniel Cormier, for instance, someone who is Henry Cejudo's teammate in the 2008 Olympics, huh. <laughs> big up in them the entire time and not yes. putting any precedent on what Demetrius Johnson's doing. Now, we talked about the numbers a little bit, and I talked about this on the last show, and I'm going to go ahead and bring this up because I think this is extremely important. To me, people say if someone take and this is this was a, 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 a something of contention that a lot of the analysts said. They said that, for instance, in wrestling, doesn't matter if the, the opponent take you, you take your opponent down and your opponent Granby rolls out of it, which Demetrius yes. Johnson did a number of times. Correct. Like they, so if, for those of us who do not know what Granby rolling is, Granby rolling is if someone goes ahead or is on the verge of taking you down and what you do is literally you somersault out of it or you front roll and uh, you're able to do a roll to pretty much switch positions. You, you're able to scramble and get back to your feet. Now, people were saying that in wrestling that is considered a takedown and that was everyone's point of contention so that's a takedown it's a wrestling it's not wrestling this is mixed martial arts this is not wrestling so if someone took you took me down i grammy rolled out of it that means he henry suhudo had zero control if you have no control in my personal opinion it doesn't count Another okay. thing, Henry Sudo at the, at the end of the fourth round, I believe it was, ended up holding down Demetrius Johnson for approximately the last two minutes of the round, right? Yes. Demetrius Johnson, even in his own admission, said, I can tell Henry Sudo was not trying to pass guard. I can tell Henry Sudo all he was doing, I felt him tense up and just trying to hold and control me. So, yes. on the MMA Hour, I heard Luke Thomas, who again is someone who I really do admire, um, said, in, but here's the thing, Henry, uh, Henry, uh, Luke Thomas, someone who's never been a striker in his entire life, he avidly trains jiu-jitsu. Why, and why is it that people do this? People don't want to get punched in the face. And it right. is a, so I get it. But one thing that Luke Thomas said was that, <laughs> again, in wrestling, he was like, if someone takes you down and controls it and he doesn't move him, no matter what, he had the dominant position to that round. Again, I'm going to argue the fact that if you are only holding an opponent down, in my opinion, all you're doing is stalling. 
I, you right. should not get points for stalling. We should take it back almost to the pride days. And let's be honest, pride rules, and we've ta- I've talked about this with you back in the day, are way better in my opinion. If you are stalling, you're not holding it. You're just holding your opponent down, which Henry Cejudo is doing. You are not inflicting any damage. There was no damage. Demetrius Johnson did more damage. We saw it in the end of the fight. And not to mention, and this is something that I wanted to talk about, Demetrius Johnson, not only did he, in my opinion, out, he out, not only not a, uh, he outstruck him, he did outstrike his opponent. He outstruck Henry Cejudo by a lot. Okay, so he outstruck Henry Cejudo in here. Let me just pull the exact numbers up. Just because it's literally that glaring, right? He ended up... Let me pull this up. He ended up outstriking him by over 50 strikes in a five-round fight. He outstruck him every round. One of the uh, criteria that uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson did mention... After the fight Late was kicks. the fact that he didn't know, and he didn't say it in a malicious way. He just mentioned passively that he didn't know whether or not the judges understood how to score the leg kicks. Because it just so happened that in the first round, I don't know if you noticed, but Cejudo actually uh, tweaked his ankle. Yeah, he was out there looking like he was doing a stanky leg. Correct. It just so happened that that, that instability of the ankle was caused by a leg the kick. kicks that were coming from Mighty Mouse Johnson to the calf. So... If in actuality I look at the entire round of the first, I have to say, to be perfectly honest with you, yeah, it was close. So Hudo got a takedown at the end of the at the end of the round because um, Mighty Mouse was willing to engage close quarters. Mm-hmm. So he ended up getting a takedown, drop levels, and got him down. But my 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 uh, concern, or should I say, the other side of the spectrum would be that um, conceivably Mighty Mouse caused more damage due to strikes in the first round. So if we want to say, based on criteria, what is it, uh, uh, aggression, octagon control, and then there's one more. Is it grappling? There's three criteria that, yep. they, that they mentioned. So if it's, regarding, if it's regarding that, I would say that the damage and the aggression was definitely in the, in the favor of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson because although Cejudo was attempting to stay poised and control the center of the ring, um, it was, uh, it was um, Mighty Mouse that was actually initiating a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, striking. So I, th- I felt that Mighty Mouse initiated 90% of the striking the entire fight. I, I feel like he was the one pushing the action, and when Henry Cejudo was moving forward, what yes. Demetri Mouse Johnson was doing was essentially implementing what Floyd Mayweather has done his entire career. Mm-hmm. I'm getting hit and not getting hit. I'm hitting and not okay. getting hit. He'd move mm-hmm. in and out. He'd use strikes. He'd get out. He was using fantastic grappling defense, and a lot of people after the fight ended up saying that, and Henry Cejudo, Cejudo said this himself. He ended up saying that my wrestling stopped his wrestling, and that's why I was able to win the fight. My opinion, the way I looked at it was, I, aside from the couple takedowns that he had, did he never truly controlled his opponent? So, who really controlled the grappling? You know, the grappling exchanges. So, um, and here's a, so th- that that was for me, right? I personally had Demetrius Johnson winning. Um, I can see three rounds to two if you want. 
Yes. Um, but I realistically, I had to fight four rounds to one Demetrius Johnson. But at the end of the day, look, does this end up, and I know a lot of people are talking about it this week, does this end up opening up the... Um, the 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 125 division does it breathe life into the division does it breathe life in fanfare to demetrius johnson because realistically and this is something that i want to ask you about is just the way he handled the the loss being right. that you can tell he is somebody who did not believe he lost even though he said all the right things you can just hear in his responses he believes he won the fight um i understand completely yeah. And, so, and, I, and again, and we've talked about how I, I scored the fight. How did you score the fight? What did you have? Well, again, with the first round, I saw I thought it was a close round. But if we consider the damage that was caused by the leg kicks to Mighty Mouse Johnson, we might even be able to veer in the direction of Mighty Mouse. Now, the only reason why I would veer in the direction of Suhudo in round two is only because of the fact that he was able to secure a takedown, not just obtain a takedown and, and get a scramble and have got, get, gotten escaped from, but he secured it for a couple of seconds on the ground. Now, mind you, there wasn't a significant amount of damage being done on the ground, but the takedown was secured. So if we're going to veer in anybody's direction, I'm going to have to go ahead and say, cool, let's go ahead and veer over to Suhudo. And I'm not trying to take away from the valor of uh, what Suhudo was doing as far as what his game plan was, but uh, I do calculate damage as a criteria for me. So how about this? He said yes. So not even to cut you off, think yep. about think about this though. Yes, he scored secured that one takedown, right? Right. In the second round, Demetrius Johnson landed 17 leg kicks. Yes. 17 leg kicks to zero leg kicks by Suhudo. Right. In terms of a takedown to a leg kick, what did more damage? Right. It just so happens that, and I agree, it's the leg kicks, but it just so happens that the referees are looking at the end of the fight saying, okay, cool, well, he was able to take him down and secure that takedown. It appears as if he's causing more damage. But we, as people who have participated in combat sports, understand that that's not necessarily the case. Right. So it's we're looking at it from a different lens than the average right. judge. Right. And, and look, I, I get it, and I, and I think that it, it's... I understand, especially now after listening to people, I get like the, the oh, let me hear. It. How about this? What's the okay? All around, what was your criteria? The rest of the fight, um, yes. and is there anything else about this fight in particular you want to bring up before we move to the next topic? Just going round by round. Round three, I would say uh, DJ got that one handily. He was okay. able to escape. He that's where he uh, did the role that we're talking about, the tuck and roll, which you yep. call the Grammy roll. Yes, sir. For me, it's calling the Grammy roll. I felt as if actually. Uh, if you look at it closely, there was a setup for an armbar there on that sideways position where the arm was isolated on Cejudo. I'm surprised Mighty Mouse didn't see that and grab it, but maybe he just didn't feel on balance. But I did see him obtain a solid stance and isolate that arm. I just don't know if he saw that it was there. He also caused Cejudo more damage. Cejudo came out of that round with damage to the uh, side of the eye. There was some blood flowing from the side of the eye, so I had to definitely give that round to uh, to uh, Mighty Mouse. and. If you want to go 10-8, whatever you want to call it, we can do that. But I'm just going to go ahead and give him that, give Mighty Mouse that round. So we're now at 2-1. On round four, DJ still, in my opinion, caused more damage in round four. So we're already at 3-1. to one. Then if we're looking at round five, sure, that could have been close because not only was Suhudo able to secure the takedown, mind you, coming from Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson's own mouth, he's a big guy, he's a strong guy. Yes, after the fourth round, I do recall Mighty Mouse coming out to the to the bench, Coach Hume telling him, look, we need to scramble, we cannot allow ourselves to stay on the ground for a, for a second. Yeah. And I can remember Mighty Mouse Johnson saying, okay, 
he was breathing heavily because he got a big guy trying yeah. to take him down, lay on top of him. Mind you, a guy who's willing to fight at 135 pounds against the champion TJ Dillashaw, right? So that goes down to the next dynamic of this topic. Yeah. But round five could potentially have been in Cejudo's favor because he was able not only to secure, but to get a couple of strikes off that didn't cause a significant amount of damage, but were clean strikes. So we're gonna go ahead and give him that round. So I'm okay. still looking at three to two. With that being said, I think there's a degree of marketing that comes into play, forward marketing, in the aspect that they can look at Suhudo and say, well, you know, the kid's a Mexican-American, he's got a great story, he was born not to, he was raised not too far away from here, you know, he came up from immigrant parents, he made the Olympics. Yeah, he's an Olympic champion. Yeah, right? So Daniel Cormier is poster boy right now for the the UFC heavyweight division. And Dana White himself said... I wouldn't mind having Cormier as my champion forever because he's well-spoken, you know, he's a competitor, he knows how to compete, cool, all that fine and dandy, all that granted and said, and that Zuhudo also Simi. does, to answer your first question, breathe a little bit of life into the into the division because Mighty Mouse seems to be more secluded, he's more of a Twitch uh, uh, player, he, he's a gamer, and he goes online and Twitch and his followers follow him on Twitch. True. But he's isolating himself in that aspect that he's a hermit in that way he doesn't really get out and do a lot of talking. He's very humble. He's into the martial arts. Whereas Cejudo, as a wrestler, is more of a sportsman. He's willing to get out there and talk, talk about how cute he was in the post-fight interview. Talk, talk trash, about- make call-outs. Right. And that's the thing. It's, it just so happens that the UFC at this time needs an individual like him because that's more like a McGregor, more like a uh, Cody Covington, right, right. more like a person who's willing to be brash and talk and be outspoken like a Bisbing because that's ironically, unfortunately, right now to the fringe audience what's selling those pay-per-views and those tickets right um really quick and you make a good point and i think that is why they favored suhudo in this fight i think that's why they, the organization actually wanted him to win and um a little bit of fight news that we also have both have coming up and you mentioned it a little bit um what do you feel about and again you even mentioned it um he t- henry suhudo calls out tj dillashaw yes. does he does i don't personally believe that he deserves that fight i think he has a lot of work that he has to do at 125 pounds and yes. i believe that if anything dj deserves a, a rematch but um with that do you think it was a good call out on Suhudo's part and do you think the ufc should make that happen him versus tj okay so uh the ufc does go on crowd reaction a great deal of the time and if there's demand for it the ufc will try to put that fight on because they need to sell fights i don't say want to i say need to right so bellator wants to they have huge financial backing ufc needs to they did a huge investment with wma ah. right a huge investment they had to come they had to come into the uh into the game uh with mcgregor taking x amount of time off basically excluding himself on purpose by putting himself into a situation where he had some issues uh regarding uh disciplinary actions outside of the ufc etc ronda rousey's gone so they they're they, they need stars so they try to give GSP an opportunity, pay him out so that they could sell more pay-per-views. And that aspect of the game needs to take place at this time because WME IMG has just acquired the UFC. So they need these big fights. Man, so that's a four billion dollar nut they gotta pay off. Yes, yes. And that's one of the reasons why uh for Cejudo to make that call out is intelligent because it's not necessarily perhaps something that was calculated. Maybe he did think about competing at 135 pounds simply because of the fact that he can't make 125 easily, right? Right. That might he mentioned it. Be, that might simply be 
the, the, the origin of that thought process. But in reality, what he did was he planted a seed for himself because of the fact that it just so happens that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, after the fight, has mentioned that he has some damage to the uh, uh, LCL, so the lateral collateral uh, ligament, mm-hmm. on the knee, which was the right knee. He also damaged the right foot. So he might even have a broken right foot due to the kicks to the calf. Yeah. Maybe he had a couple of check kicks. So Mighty Mouse's own words. Again, I don't want to I don't want to speak for Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse's own words. He said, I understand that he did ask for a rematch and, and I would love to have a rematch, but first and foremost, I would like to get healthy. My health comes first. He did say that. So one of the things I admire about Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is that he's willing to focus on his health first as opposed to continuing to compete if he doesn't feel like he's going to be at least close to 100% because we know that when you're going into combat sports, you don't typically always go in at a 100%. There's always something there, maybe perhaps nagging. Like Anderson Silva, however, if I compare him because it's as close as a comparison as you're going to get. Somebody who's holding the title – 300 days less than Anderson Silva held the title, okay? So we're talking about a kid who could could potentially be considered the GOAT. Anderson Silva, in my perspective, and I don't want to go too far into a tangent off on Anderson, but in my perspective, I feel as if there was a point in time he was willing to relinquish his belt because of the fact that he had it so long, it's a great deal of stress on your back. It becomes a weight, like Atlas holding the world on his shoulders. He has the division on his shoulders, and the UFC is constantly calling upon him to produce. I think at a certain point when he was playing around with Weidman, he was willing to face defeat for some for some reason. I just don't understand. Some, somewhere in his psyche, I feel like he was okay with, with uh, uh, having the ability to have relinquished the belt. Yeah. And it so happened that when I look back at GSP, GSP having relinquished the belt to Matt Hughes the very first time was really only a catalyst for him becoming the greatest, right? So he lost to BJ Penn, he came back, he was able to uh, uh, defeat BJ Penn. He lost to Matt Hughes, he came back, he was able to defeat him and then wasn't defeated. He needed, he needed those those losses to, you know, really, the you know, yeah. And honestly, I think you, you, make, you make a good point and we're going to move on after after yes. this. But uh, you make a good point. Um, I think Demetrius Johnson is, even though I don't think he lost this fight, I think okay. it's good for him because I th- and you can just tell by his demeanor, it's one of those things that it's like Groundhog Day, Groundhog's Day every day, right? He he, it seems like it's just the monotony of every day. I'm the champ, yeah. This is what we do, yeah. I'm gonna go in here yes. and win, and and hopefully, not only does this bring a little bit of life and a rivalry to that division, because now yes. they have to do the trilogy, right? Right. Um, and I agree. I think they should be able to move on to a trilogy eventually. Exactly. But with exactly. that, with the fact that Mighty Mouse might end up needing to be healed. He, uh, Suhudo might actually get the fight that he wants, but he's going to run into this is where the buck stops at 135. Dude, because I'm be honest with you, TJ Dillashaw runs completely through him. I'm sorry. It, 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 it's a style. It was a style matchup thing with DJ. I think he 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 benefited from having a smaller guy in there with him. Yes. And uh, and still, man. But all right, moving on to the next one. Fight news. Absolutely. Stay staying with it. All right. So um, last week, last Friday, um, and we we discussed this slightly, but there's actually been more, and now it's specifically confirmed. Um, October sixth, in uh, it's going to be UFC two two nine October sixth at the T Mobile Arena in. Las Vegas, Nevada. Conor McGregor makes his much-awaited return versus Khabib Nagamag- Nagamag- 
Khabib, we know who he is. Nurmagomedov. Yeah, Nurmagomedov. Yeah, there it is. Uh, so Khabib um, Nurmagomedov. That's it. There it is. We know it's Russian as hell. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have Khabib and Connor finally uh, gonna go ahead and face this year. Uh, they only have a nine-week camp. It's nine weeks until the event, and I'm extremely excited about it. Even though I do have specific contention for it, uh, they announced the event. Um, for those of us who are watching or any of us who know, it was at the UFC 25-year anniversary event. It was at the very end of the event. So they did all of it. They had all their big announcements. Even they brought out um, Nate Diaz is coming back to go ahead and face um, Poirier and uh, Dustin Poirier and essentially a number one contenders match. And all of that is extremely exciting. So um, one thing, again, we want I want to talk about... Um, and I'm going to get into my early call and my breakdown of the fight. But sure. um, as a strictly mixed martial arts fan, right? Are you excited? I'm excited about the fight. How do you feel about the fight? Okay. So excitement level, should excited, I say? What is your excitement level for it as of right now? Not quite yet, no. Only because of the fact that McGregor's been out for a while. Uh, Khabib, we already understand the dynamics of what his strategy is going to be. There's no surprise there. So I'm not necessarily excited just yet. I do start to become excited when we start to see the training going on. It just so happens that McGregor has posted some some shots on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, regarding his training. He's training with professional boxers. He's getting some good grappling going. Obviously, he's working with Dylan Dennis, who's a very uh, accomplished BJJ expert. So we understand that Khabib is going to attempt to, uh, you know, be the Cejudo to DJ. Basically, grab him, hold him down, and just use his strength and size to control him. And if we look back in hindsight and go back to our uh, Diaz versus McGregor, then we know that that's the formula to defeat McGregor. When he's tired, is the perfect time to be able to capitalize, take him down, hold him down, and beat him up. Right. So, so uh, go ahead, go ahead. No surprise if McGregor gets him early, it's, you know. <laughs> You know what? And, and honestly, my, so my early call for this fight is this, and I agree with you. If it's early, if it's in the first round or halfway through the second round, I got McGregor. Um, but I think that is truly, I believe that is his only option. One thing that Conor McGregor does, and he is better at this than most, um, he's explosive and he covers a lot of distance really fast. Yes. So once you feel as if he is out of punching and kicking range he's he's snake like in a sense that he can and he's 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 deceptively long right he's only 59 but he has very long arms for his weight class Mm-hmm. So and not, not to mention he's also a southpaw. So yes. people aren't as accustomed to looking at that setup. So southpaws, what's a southpaw's best weapon against um, a conventional fighter? It's that straight left hand. What does Conor McGregor throw better than anybody else? Is a straight left hand, right? Yes. What is the only time in Khabib Nurmagomedov's? Uh, I, I don't know why I'm not saying it right today. Uh, but in the only time in Khabib's 26 fights, he's 26 and 0. I've only seen him one time look like he's losing. He's, he has not lost a round. But the one time where he looked like he could be human is when he was fighting against Michael Johnson. Michael right. Johnson, who is a softball himself, yes. clipped him with a strong um, left hand. He ended up, you know, ended up still getting taken down and beat up in that fight. Um, yes. 
to kind of round it out, what I feel is going to happen, and then we'll we'll break down if the morality issues essentially going into this match um, because of Conor McGregor's uh, legal issues and how the UFC is handling it. It's kind of ironic because of the fact that, uh, you know, the fight takes place in Vegas, which is where, you know, some of the initial issues would spawn. And then, of course, obviously, they're not having anything in the garden for him just yet. So uh, we can touch on that. But, if, but if what I wanted to go back on and what you touched on, and I want to make sure that all your fans, people who are listening to this podcast, we got to give Sergio Vicente a lot of credit because not only is he talking about the dynamic of the fight, but he's talking about the type of athlete you're in against. When you're looking at a McGregor in terms of his body type and the athleticism that he possesses, that's a very, very key aspect of the dynamic of this fight. It just so happens that I met Sergio at the gym as somebody who was training other human beings. So he understands the body in that aspect. He knows about quick switch. He's a very well-developed athlete himself. So I like that perspective when I listen to that. (laughs) You know, we're talking about an individual that at 185 was deadlifting and squatting, you know, immense amount of weight. So when it comes to that, we're looking at strong individuals and we're looking at fast individuals and then people who can be fast and strong. Mm -hmm. Now you have a Tyron Woodley who's a very fast athlete, but he's also very strong for wrestling. However, he requires quick twitch. Quick twitch requires a lot of explosiveness. That explosiveness requires a great deal of energy, okay? Mm -hmm. When you have that energy, you have to, like Woodley did against Damian Maya, ration the amount of power that you're exerting per round. When you look at a Mayweather, the reason why he's able to sustain 12 rounds without a problem and not look winded at the end of the fight is because he already understands, based on his VO2 max, how many punches he can throw per round to sustain the full 12-round period. They understand their energy systems. Yes, and they understand it to the numbers, right? So one of the things that uh, Sage Northcutt, a very good um, linear fighter, karate-style stance, He's very fast, very explosive. But when you come out in the second round, he doesn't look as fast and explosive. Third round, he doesn't. He looks less fast and explosive because there's a certain amount of energy that's required to be able to blitz constantly. And in a real fight, when you blitz, that means you're committing to finishing the individual. When you're dealing with somebody who has durability and can sustain your blitz, it takes energy. Now you have to recuperate that energy and go back out. So there's a certain amount of energy and durability that these athletes need to possess to be able to employ styles depending on the dynamic of the individual they're facing so if i can blitz on you and you don't have any durability the chances of me finishing you there is good so i can put my gas tank out but if you have durability and i don't have enough power to overcome your durability then when i blitz you and you don't stop i just exerted a great deal of energy that i need to recuperate either in between the rounds or somewhere within the round without you finishing me so when mcgregor coming back to my original point gets to that point which is the point where 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 uh mayweather had him in round 10 of the boxing match because mcgregor was exerting so many punches per round that then and he puts everything behind all of his punches right and that's when he was able to start pouring it on so to speak so this is the same dynamic. There's no, there's no um, big secret to this. This is something that has been done over and over again in combat sports. We're gonna allow this athlete, if he's not smart enough in the way he rations his energy and the way he explodes, to get tired and grind with the Mega Madoff and then eventually be overcome. Unless, of course, that Mega Madoff makes that mistake and puts itself in a position to be taken advantage of by the explosiveness, speed, and power that Connor, Connor does possess. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, 
it, it's I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I um, the way I and I'm gonna so I'm gonna give my quick breakdown. I'm gonna give my pick, my early. But pick. before you do that, what was your max deadlift? My max deadlift. My max deadlift I've ever gotten up was six thirty. What about squat? Five. I had I had five. I had five like five five fifty. What's your what what was your weight at the time? One ninety five. Understand that. Understand that, audience. I want y'all to understand that. This guy <laughs> works on athleticism. All right, moving on. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Let them know. Damn it. <laughs> Gotta represent. I appreciate it, man. Well, so check it out. Okay, really quick to get into the breakdown. Um, so Again, I think if Connor blitzes him really is going to happen, I, unfortunately for Connor, I don't see that happening. Khabib is already um, out of Dagestan. He's already in um, in San Jose working with uh, AKA. He's, so he's already training, right? He's already prepared. Um, for those of us who do not understand or know AKA or American Kickboxing Academy over in AKA or in uh, San Jose, it is one of the greatest uh, gyms, super gyms, super teams um, in mixed martial arts. You have Daniel Cormier's from there, the the champ champ at heavyweight and light and, and light heavyweight. You have Luke Rockhold, who was the former 185 pound champion. You have um, uh, Cain Velasquez, one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. Um, you have um, Thomas. You had you know you get there's or Thompson should I say? Uh, there's so many guys who come out. Gilbert Melendez. There's so many people who come out of that camp um, that are just incredible, right? So yes. I. I have you know love and I understand what they're doing and I think that they they have they'll he they'll have him prepared and conditioned and they also understand that they don't want to stand with Connor so since they don't want to stand with Connor stand with Connor I think Khabib is literally going to run in with his singlet on take Connor down and just beat him for five rounds and I think that um he'll end up getting like a late stoppage um I, I don't see Connor winning so that's my early call on the fight the closer we get the more I'm able to see breakdowns I'll I'll I might change my mind. If I believe that Khabib is getting too emotional, I might change my mind. Uh, Early breakdown, and then we're going to move on to the next topic. What you got? That really does matter to me. I like to see how the training is going. I like to see where the mentality is at, what they're talking about, what kind of belief they have in themselves, because the belief really matters. Um, so as, and then of course when they face off, I like to see what their eyes look like. I like to see if they really do have that that bitch in them or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. who, who's who's ready and who's not? Who's primed and who's not? But uh, it's hard for me to say one. But I think the the odds are definitely stacked against McGregor in the aspect that we already understand the formula necessary to defeat him. Absolutely. However, if it's early in the fight, I think McGregor does have a very good chance of stopping him because we were able to see that Nurmagomedov is vincible to strikes that's true that's true i love it man all right brother moving on to the next one um so the next topic i have up um and i wanted to uh, get your opinion on but um the bellator welterweight grand prix was announced this past week um not only has it already been announced, but actually the matchups, first round matchups that are going to um, happen uh, this September 29th, they will be live streamed um, on the new digital streaming platform called Dazn, uh, D-A-Z-N. Uh, Bellator will be on there. It should be 
uh, incredible. There's a obviously there's no plug, but it's like a 30 day trial, <laughs> um, and it's supposed to be incredible. That's where Eddie Hearn um, also runs it. So you have all the there's gonna be top boxing. You have Danny Jacobs is gonna be on there. You got you know Anthony Joshua. Uh, you have uh, Big Baby Davis. There's so many people who are actually gonna be you know there's gonna be great combat sports on this app and so Bellator is as well. So I'm extremely excited about that and. Um, you know what? I'm be honest with you. This to me, um, I think Bellator with their current heavyweight tournament is a phenomenal. I love what they're doing. Um, it's one of the the best things. And this is something that Scott Coker, who is the president and CEO of Bellator, comes from a kickboxing background. Um, so this is something. Those that tournament style is something that is very him, and he is bringing it back to MMA. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job. So really quick, I want to jump on these matchups because. Not only do I feel that this is the greatest tournament, not only is the greatest uh, MMA tournament, this might possibly be the greatest tournament in combat sports history. All right. So just to go down the list of the athletes that are competing, we already start off. This is at 170 pounds. The the Beltor uh, welterweight champion Rory McDonald is competing in this event. Not only is and I thought this was something that was extremely interesting. Not only is he competing in this event, but his 175-pound title is up every round of the tournament. Anytime he fights, whoever has the belt, it moves on. So, the initial matchup is Roy McDonald versus John Fitch, which is an amazing matchup in his own right. John Fitch, again, one of those former AKA guys. Uh, he's somebody who has a uh, very grappling, heavy uh, style. He, he's gritty. He's in your face. He's going against Roy McDonald. I think that's an amazing matchup. On the other side of the bracket is the matchup, honestly, I am most excited about over any matchup this year. Hands down, we have Michael Venom Page. And for those of us who do not know Michael Venom Page, Michael Venom Page is a long, lanky Brit, comes from that point karate style background. He gets in and out. He has professional boxing fights. He's undefeated. And one thing that he does, he has extreme knockouts. Who is he fighting? He is fighting the other Brit. He is fighting Paul Simtex Daily, who, as it comes to oh, MMA, I, might have he made it into the, the tournament, huh? I didn't know if he was going to actually in. make it. He's in, and talks. they're making the fight. This is a grudge match. Um, Paul Daly has one of the most explosive left hands in MMA history. This fight is explosive. This fight will not make the uh, get to the distance. I cannot wait. Uh, other side of the tournament, it is a rematch. Um, two former title champions for Bellator, 170 pounds. We have Douglas Lima is fighting Andre Korshkov. If you do not know these people, people listening, you need to. Douglas Lima is one of the greatest uh, welterweights of this generation. Huge power, very well-rounded. Andre Korshkov is somebody who actually beat um, Douglas Lima. This is a trilogy matchup for those of us who do not know. They're one in one. Both of them beat each other for the title, which is incredible that this is in the first round. So, Douglas Lima KO'd him in the second matchup. Korshkov wrestled him the first matchup. Beautiful. I 
again, both of these guys are incredible. On the and then the last first round matchup, we have Neiman Gracie, one of the current Gracies that is currently competing, and he's still a monster. He's undefeated. He's one of the best current grapplers that is competing in MMA. Is fighting against the wrestling prospect, um, the wrestling beast, uh, all American Ed Ruth. And for people who do not know who Ed Ruth is, anybody who is listening says that this guy is the next big thing in MMA. Oh, and not to mention the alternate bout, just in case one of these guys don't make it, is uh, the Russian, uh, um, what's his name, Yaroslav, who I, I can't really pronounce his name, but he's great, uh, Asov, um, who's awesome, is fighting against one of my personal favorites, Lorenz Larkin. The UFC vet uh, came over to um, Bellator, he's fought for a title already, uh, he, he, he's taken a couple L's, but he's starting to finally get back on the winning track. This is an amazing tournament. This is full of not only top quality world-class fighters, this is the, the, the one percenters of the one percent. Nobody in MMA in any competition is doing this. I love this tournament. These first round matchups are mind-blowing and I think that they actually split up the bracket beautifully. Um, I think it's amazing. Prism, what you got? Well, I'm just glad that Scott Coker and Bellator are doing a tournament format because the fans do appreciate finality. What they like to see is they like to see two individuals that have fought their way through various battles to finalize the outcome. And that in and of itself, regardless of the players, is already enough suspense. But when you put the players into perspective, again, as you mentioned, top flight athletes, these are guys that are going to go ahead and put it on the line for this tournament. So it's very, very similar to my old school pride days. Yeah. When the UFC was still coming up, UFC was good. I appreciated it. Pride was the big production at the time. Absolutely. And pride would typically do Grand Prix. And if there's anything that I enjoyed, was a was a Grand Prix especially with the fact that they were the heavyweights. So you always... You know, I think that it's definitely... Uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I, sure. I think it's definitely people for like us who come from that old school mentality and people mm-hmm. who were involved in a sport in early 2000s. I think all of us really love that tournament style because it does... It's so nostalgic. It yes. makes you feel like a, um, a pride. And one thing that I think Bellator does a great job of is even in their entrances, the entrances look like pride. They got the ramp. They got the lights and explosions and whatnot going off. I think the production value of Bellator is incredible. And it really does remind me of old school pride. And that's one of the beauties of it is that they're trying to they're trying to take elements from the primary fighting organization to a degree, but they're also trying to take you know little little subtle ambiance from the pride organization and then of course adding what what's their own little essence to Absolutely. the game, which is cool. It's a different product, even though it's the same product. So that's what I like about that. But the fact that we're, ha- we're having a tournament with two guys standing on the opposite side of each other, which are Rory McDonald and Venom Page, <laughs> Michael Venom Page, that is, you know, I mean, I don't want to throw out any spoilers. And again, this is a tournament. Anything can happen. There's a lot of variables that come into play, injuries, training, fatality, all of these things. But I just I just see Rory and Michael Venom Page going out at the end, like going going for it. I'm, I'm telling you, man. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. So you're, you're calling them. I see... Rory McDonald, and I see him either against the winner of the the Lima Korshkov fight. Uh, I I think that Lima and Korshkov have the wrestling 
in the grappling chops to mm-hmm. beat Daly or MVP. Well, the thing is, is that they're on the same side of the bracket, aren't they? Yeah, aren't- so, they, they, so they'll end up having to face each other. That's what I'm saying. I think uh, the winner of Lima Korshkov is going to have to fight the winner of Daly uh, MVP. And I think the God. winner of D- Lima Korshkov will end up going to the final. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be intense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at it now just strictly because the wrestling chops. I'm looking at Korshkov's grappling is incredible. Um, Douglas Lima's grappling is incredible. And Paul Daly has proven time and time again his Achilles heel is his grappling. He doesn't even like entertaining it. Um, last year, he ended up fighting Rory McDonald uh, for the uh, welterweight championship. And he got dominated. Handily, yeah, dominated. dominated. And honestly, that's not a fight that I want to see again because I no. know what's going to happen. So it, it, it's not like he's going to evolve. He's not going to evolve. We know what the, we know what it is. Um, I'm excited about seeing them in the first round, but I don't see either of those guys getting past uh, Doug, Douglas Lima or Korshkov. And I think that's where MVP is going to take his first career loss. Um, now, the dark horse of the tournament. Ed Ruth is a dark horse of the tournament. Not that many MMA fights. A lot of people don't know about him. But Solid we're talking respect. about grappling. He might, he honestly is, can outgrapple Rory McDonald. The striking is where it is interesting. So I'm interested to see because I do believe Ed Ruth is going to end up beating Neiman Gracie. Um, I see, uh, and then I think it's actually going to be a farther, a more, much more entertaining fight between him and Rory McDonald than I think people actually believe. But all in all, um, man, this tournament, it's easy to sit there and say Rory McDonald's going to win it because I think he's one of the greatest fighters in the, currently in the world. But I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to have to wait and, and see. Um, it, it can go, any, it can go anywhere, man. But I think this is an incredible tournament and, uh, and yeah, man, I, I Bellator salute to you guys. I, I think it's, it's one of the greatest things ever, man. Um, do you have any guys, final thoughts about the tournament? Fights. What was that? I'm sorry. I said, do you have no, any Scott, final thoughts? Scott and Scott and Bellator, they're trying to put on the greatest fights because they want to make sure that they can put a package together where they're making it monetizable. In other words, as opposed to giving away a free product, which is what they're currently doing, they're trying to monetize it where they're able to actually have subscriptions, people who are tuning in and willing to pay for the for the uh, package. Absolutely. And with the heavyweight tournament that they just did, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think it definitely merits it. But with the fact that, you know, you have one one group, one large individual, uh, you know, covering the entire market share right now, yeah. it makes it very difficult for other people to get a foothold into the game, but they have the right strategy and they have a good financial background, a financial backing uh, to be able to make this a sustainable product until it does become you know, revenue generating on a regular basis. I can see that. I, that makes sense. But no, all in all, I can't wait for this tournament. I think it's going to be great. It starts September 29th. It's going to uh, stream exclusively on Dazen, uh, their streaming service. All right. So uh, the next thing I wanted to get into. So each of us have something, uh, a topic that we haven't discussed with one another. But so my, my topic is a hot take, right? So uh, at the event that we talked about, the uh, turn, the not the tournament, the um, the UFC 25 year anniversary press conference, all these amazing events were uh, were announced. So there's a, a Madison Square Garden card in November that's going to be uh, with uh, Nate Diaz, Daniel Cormier, and uh, Dustin Poirier, which is phenomenal. 
Uh, we have Bohachina versus Yoel Romero at 185. Phenomenal. Israel Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. Phenomenal. And people are speculating who the headliner is going to be. So I, I have a little bit of a hot take. Um, a couple people have said this or hinted towards it to this. And I, I don't think I'm breaking any news or anything. But I will say this. For fight news, who do I believe is going to headline this event? I look at the the matchups. Who can headline over, for instance, Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz should have been the biggest star there. So I'm like, okay, let's see where all the... Is it going to be Daniel Cormier, Brock Lesnar? No, that's not going to happen until next year. X that out, right? Um, Conor McGregor could be. That's going to be October. X that out. So you start thinking about who are the big stars. What stars are left in play, right? Well, there's somebody who's been tweeting a lot more regularly. There's somebody who's going out there, you know, seeming like they're extremely happy recently. And that person is John Jones. And I'm be oh. honest with you. It's in New York. John Jones' hometown. It's at Madison Square Garden. And not only that, who is all who also just pulled out of their fight when they weren't even really that injured? Alexander Gustafson. Alexander Gustafson, John Jones is possibly the greatest light heavyweight fight in MMA history. Yes. Both of them have been out for an extended period of time. Both of them are still, again, they're roughly the same age. They both haven't fought in about a year or so. What bigger fight to headline that card than John Jones versus uh, Alexander Gustafson 2? You can market it. You can put it out. And it can be the perfect headlining to a Madison Square Garden card. I totally believe that is my hot take of the day. And that is so I believe that um, that fight, uh, uh, John Jones versus Gus 2 will headline that November card. Boom! Stamping. I'm putting it. I'm holding it down. (laughs) Whoa. We got to do a Chuck Liddell scream for that one. Whoa. Because it just so happens to be that your hot take goes hand in hand with my hot take. Okay. What I thought you were going to say and who I was going to bring up okay. was GSP. Ah. But the fact that your hot take just blew me away because to be perfectly honest with you, I had no idea you were going to say that. I had no idea you were going to come up with that. And theoretically, that is a huge possibility. So in fact, you just blew my mind with that with that uh, prediction. And I could definitely see, first and foremost, that fight being ultra exciting, obviously with the fact that John Jones has been out for an extended period of time yep. due to some issues he had outside of the octagon. And it just so happens that you correlated the fact that Alexander Gustafson did kind of pull out in a questionable manner. With no injuries. Oh, right. my shoulder hurts a little Perhaps bit. Saving himself for this particular event ah. with John Jones. That's very interesting. And if that occurs, I'm sure that will blow the doors off the pay-per-view. Absolutely. And if they do that, that pay-per-view will be a far better and bigger pay-per-view than Conor McGregor. And if the UFC is smart, because let's be very honest, Conor has kind of held them by the balls. And I'm gonna get and I'm gonna now I'm glad I brought that up because I'm gonna get into Conor and him fighting in this fight in a moment, in a quick second. But with this fight, you can put on a larger pay-per-view with the return of John Jones, 
with the return of Nate Diaz, with the return with with, with Adesanya fighting, who's an up and coming star, with Bohachina fighting, who's an up and coming star. This could possibly be the biggest UFC pay per view of all time, and they can do that without Conor McGregor being involved. If they do that as a business, you can say, "Hey, look, stupid, we can do this without you. You can't control the the narrative anymore." And for me, I think this would be the best way that they can UFC can get their 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 mojo back and they can control the narrative um outside of conor mcgregor wow so you know what you know eat your heart out ariel hawani don't try to break this news like you broke brock lesnar this man broke it first right oh. here podcast sergio because not afro latino <laughs> <laughs> that's intense that is i'm at the edge of my seat for that one because we're talking about yoel romero who is a stellar athlete at the age of 40. I just don't know how he does it and how he keeps coming back for more, keeps his power, is able to make weight the majority of the time, of course, and uh, is a huge, huge wrestling uh, uh, prodigy. Then you got Bojacinho, who has been just storming through all of his uh, all of his opponents. I mean, what he dude, did to Uriah Hall last fight was just, oh my God. Yeah, the kid's young, he's explosive, he's powerful, he's fit, he's 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 uh, hungry. That's one of the things that I think equates to the fight when it comes down to you know having a fight between Nate Diaz and uh, uh, Dustin Poirier. If I look back at Poirier, I think he got out of that out of that fight with Alvarez. On uh, a very slim, slim thread. It just so happens that Alvarez was in dominant position, made a mistake positionally with his elbow, got put back up, was tired, and got taken advantage of. No different from the way Mayweather took advantage of McGregor. I so I was, I was favoring Alvarez to win that fight because I would love to have seen a wrestler such as Alvarez compete against Namaga Madoff if they didn't make the um, make the uh, McGregor fight. However, whoever wins this 155 goes to fight between, I, I'm, I'm guessing is going to end up going to fight the winner between Namaga Madoff and uh, Conor McGregor. Hey, now, I come down to John Jones and Gustafson. Let's go, Gus. I'm tired of, as you're mentioning, this man, McGregor, controlling the narrative at 155. I'm tired of the 205 division being controlled by the narrative of John Jones looming over us all the time like a dark cloud. Always. Why does this guy go away? Why does Daniel Cormier, as the champion, give John Jones his moment, talk about him and say, I'm waiting for you the first time he gets to the belt? Why is it that after the second time he comes and gets the heavyweight championship belt and he brings that guy up and says, you know what, hold up, let me stop. I can't give this, my, this man my moment. Stop bringing him into the limelight. Stop making that man relevant. He himself tweeted... I've defeated everyone, John Jones. I defeated everyone in the octagon. The only person I haven't defeated is myself. So he's looking himself in the mirror as the greatest challenge. It just so happens that, you know what, let that man deal with his challenges. And when he's ready to come back, let him come back. But I don't want to hear anything about performance enhancing drugs. I don't want to hear anything about cocaine being the performance enhancing drugs. I don't want to hear anything about car accidents and all these different things. I just want you to train Focus and compete because he's talking about, and this is John Jones talking about in meditation. These are the things that he's meditating on based on his tweet. Meditate on staying focused and staying in the fight and make everything in the realm of the fight. This way we can appreciate what you bring to the table when you enter the octagon. Because if not, I have to say that I would favor Gustafson winning just based on the type of person that he is as opposed to the type of fighter that he is. However, (laughs) when we talk about body types, athleticism, length, power, etc., 
I think Gustafson has all the tools to defeat John Jones, regardless of what state he's in. It's a good point. I I, I can see that. I. I... I agree with you, especially because um, in the time off, I've been noticing, especially Gus's last fight against Volkov, um, just, uh, or should I say not against Volkov, his last fight against um, Glover Teixeira is the last one I remember. Just watching his movement, his combinations, um, and his length, I think he gives issues to anyone that he has to go uh, up against. So um, it's going to be very entertaining to see. I can't wait to see what happens, but I definitely believe that, that that they're going to bring John Jones back for that. I think they need it. I think they need that push for the end of the year. Um, uh, really quick, just double back what I said about uh, McGregor and, 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 and him controlling the narrative. I'm, I'm disappointed in the UFC. And I'm disappointed in the UFC because I believe that they have chosen cash over integrity. Um, they did nothing to McGregor. Um, McGregor has shown time and time again and this can be unpopular and at the end of the day if you don't like it don't listen it's fine um i think that somebody like conor mcgregor who has all the abilities in the world as a fighter i'm a fan um what has turned me off from mcgregor is him outside of the cage looking at what he did even as little as chucking monster energy drinks in vegas even you then you go to to uh to the bellator event which isn't even his organization he's in there supporting a teammate of his he jumps into the cage and celebrates with this person even before the, the even before the referee pulls it off the guy it doesn't make sense like you should have been suspended for that and then and then let's let's couple that with chucking a dolly through a huge UFC, uh, through a bus and injuring a number of athletes during a huge UFC event all those things uh together anybody else not named Conor McGregor not only would they have been reprimanded I truly believe that the UFC would have cut them or dismissed them. They did it with Diego Brandau. They did it with a bunch of others. Unless, and this is the conspiracy theory. Okay. UFC paid the people in the bus off and said, look, we got to add to this drama that is the fight that is the Magomedov to sell off the rafters. Yo, they're they're (laughs) going to sell. They're they're even using him throwing the uh, the dolly and stuff like that as a... they're selling it. They're using it yeah, as marketing. Yeah, promo. So that's what I'm saying. How are they glorifying it, right? So maybe it was part of their intention all along. Maybe they're, it was part of the marketing strategy all along. They're, they're glorifying being a jackass, and and that's that's <laughs> and, and that's the issue. You know, um, you have people who are out there doing it the right way, talking trash. It's fun. Look at that. They're they're glorifying Colby Covington, who's all he's doing is trolling, and we all know he's just trolling. But they're glorifying him, right? This dude doesn't even have a real chance championship belt and they took him to go meet the the quote-unquote president right so like i'm not i'm I'm not going for that like it's ridiculous and again the ufc has shown over and over again that um they they're they're not about their athletes they're they're a company they're 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 a corporation they're all about the bottom line and uh, i truly believe that is why um bellator or some of these organizations have caught up and um might eventually surpass them because let's be honest their bellator tournament their welterweight tournament is far more entertaining than anything the ufc currently has going on 
It just so happens that you made a you made a good uh you made a good correlation between the fact that UFC is what it is now and Bellator is what they are now and the fact that they could potentially edge the UFC because of the fact that the dynamics of the way the UFC is managing, marketing and promoting yep. um, could, you know, make them to a point where people like us, the, the 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 hardcore fans, see the oversaturation of it and look back and this goes back to our original conversation regarding music and the reason why we appreciate music that is not necessarily at the mainstream level quite yet, but has the potential to be. <laughs> the fact that when it does break off into that mainstream and becomes oversaturated, it just gets a little less interesting for us. Yeah. Um, and that might be the case with UFC for some of the hardcore fans. Maybe they just break off into this mainstream level with WME IMG to the point where it becomes so oversaturated that the hardcore fan says, you know what? This product that Bellator has is more in line with what I want to see. So who knows? The possibility is definitely there. We'll see, man. We'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see how it, they continue growing obviously as critical as I am of the UFC and I'm extremely critical of them but I'm critical of, of them because I'm a fan and I'm such a big fan and 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 think about it they, the that's UFC a, started in 93 that's that? a very important distinction to make you're not hating on the UFC no, no. of the UFC you're a fan but you're seeing between the lines and you're saying look this is not this is not in line with what I want to see I don't appreciate this I want to see what the UFC the, what the UFC that I love used to do there it is man and, th- and that's what i want them to focus on and again I-, I am a fight fan i'm somebody who is passionate about the sport and i want um the best possible product out there i believe that there is no better sport in the world than combat sports i i don't see it i i don't, I don't even pay attention to the sports because i i love combat sports so so much and again that's a big reason why i started this podcast because i want not I don't feel as if, like, I, I feel like I say it all the time, but I don't feel as if we have enough representation. Um, n- not only, I'd say, like, black and brown people or whatever, you know, in the, the sports media realm, um, because we don't have enough representation. But I don't believe that we have enough people that are willing to actually call a spade a spade and actually sit there. I'm not corporate. I don't have a boss. I can sit there and be critical of somebody because at the end of the day, when you're actually looking at the UFC and all these commentators who feel as if they 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 need the UFC for something they will not hold their feet to the fire and I want to be able to do so and I want to be able to talk about these topics um, because again I love the sport man and I want the sport to do its thing so it, it, it's super important and um, and I and I can't wait to see what happens um, really quick before we get out of here GSP versus Anderson Anderson doesn't want that smoke <laughs> now, has that been announced? Or? No. Uh, GSP okay. just came out and said he's not interested in that fight, right? All right. So uh, I, I, you're GS- about to blow my, you were about to blow my mind away again. I didn't know that that was what my initial question about yeah. GSP as far as that, that side note was, who do you think GSP should fight next? Naturally, he doesn't want Robert Whitaker. So, Robert Whitaker's a big boy. I'm about he to jump into that. Belt. Who does he go against? Uh, he fights the winner. He fights the winner of uh, Khabib and Conor McGregor. That's who the UFC wants him to fight, and they potentially probably want to do it at 170. But uh, they'll do it at 55. He wants to drop down to 55 and win three ships. And GFC, GSP has mentioned that he can make 55. But as far as Anderson Silva, I gotta say Anderson Silva will beat his ass. A double I don't care. I think Anderson Silva would would would, would defeat him. 
You know why I don't? Anderson Silva hasn't been Anderson Silva ever, ever since Chris Weidman. Um, George Anderson Saint Pierre Silva hasn't been Anderson Silva since the USADA era. That's true too. Um, he just got reinstated because he was suspended again for USADA. Yes. Uh, George Saint Pierre has never had an issue with that. Yes. Um, George Saint Pierre is George Saint Pierre's strengths are Anderson Silva's weaknesses. George Saint Pierre is a far better grappler. George Saint Pierre is a is faster, especially at this point in his career. Um, and the reason I say that is because I visibly watched Michael Biz being outbox um, Anderson Silva, and I saw. George St. Pierre outbox Michael Bisbing. So if I'm looking at just doing MMA math, that to me that says not only can he wrestle dudes face off, that means he could probably knock him out also. And let's so not forget is- how much of an ex- a, 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 how much of a um a striker George St. Pierre is and was. George St. Pierre is just as dynamic um as a karate style fighter as uh, Anderson Silva was. He just in throughout his career he just made a point not to take the same type of risks as uh, Anderson did do I love his style no but if I'm looking at it objectively he's gonna beat the brakes off Anderson Silva I don't even see it being close so then I have a question for you yeah if you're coach Danaher yes and you're Frasa Hobby yes and you're telling GSP this is the strategy when you're going out there for your first round against Anderson Silva, mm-hmm. what are you telling him? I'm telling him to establish a jab, get your distance, gauge his speed, establish your jab. There's nobody in MMA who has better jab than George. Go out there, land it. Once you start landing your jab, let's let's bait him into taking a shot. As soon as he starts throwing punches or kicks, you shoot in, you get in on his hips, you take him down. Stay in his chest. Use jabs. Stay in his chest. And then what we're going to do is that we're going to park that, you know, huge uh, Canadian self directly on his Brazilian chest. And we are going to rain down elbows and we're going to find whatever submissions we possibly can. Um, and we're going to get him out of here within the first two or three rounds. Okay, and uh, that's a very intelligent perspective and approach against Anderson Silva. However, I knew you were going to say that. I know that that's what they're going to say. <laughs> I mean, it's a game plan. <laughs> and I know that that's the main mistake. That's the main mistake that they're going to make because you're dealing with an individual who was able to compete against Daniel Cormier after surgery oh, and after sitting gonna... on the couch for two weeks, coming directly into a UFC fight at 205 pounds and endure all the rounds with Daniel Cormier of I'm Daniel not say Cormier, that, somebody a heavy, who, a heavy individual on top of Anderson Silva and still unable to ground and pound and finish the guy. There's nothing that GSP is going to do on the ground that's going to affect Anderson Silva. In fact, Anderson Silva will be even more dangerous to the ground to him than he will be on stand up. So, actually, the dynamic of GSP using his jab and using his boxing is a greater opportunity to be able to overcome Anderson Silva because Anderson Silva now. His durability, quote unquote, armor on the chin is not as prominent as it was before. So what what Bisbean was capable of doing to to uh, GSP from the guard, if he if that's only a fraction of what Anderson Silva's damage is capable of doing to GSP from within inside Anderson Silva's guard. This this is why I disagree. When when did GSP or when did Anderson fight uh, Daniel Cormier? 
Um, I don't know. He was on. He was, was off. It was like, UFC 200. 200. That was July 19th, 2016. Okay. Anderson Silva has not competed since then. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he's had injuries. He's had things. These are other people who have consistently been competing. Anderson Silva has just been getting older. He's been deteriorating even that much more. I can you can tell because you see his dad bot and he's also not able to do PEDs. No dice. He gets destroyed. All right. That's one that's one for the books. Let's go ahead and see it. Let's see what happens. I, I, I'll stamp it. I put money on it. All right. I don't care. I know that's yeah. a thing. I, I ain't even worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, prison brother, any any other topics? Um and again, thank you, brother, so very much for joining me today. And um if you're open to it, I would love to do a weekly fight uh, talks. Like we we do our fight news segment together at least you know one uh, once a week, if not once a week, or every couple times a month. I would love for you to be a part of the show, bro. Um, yeah. You have a very unique perspective, and I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm glad that somebody's taking the initiative of doing this. So I'm glad you are doing this, doing what you're doing, representing, you know, talking about MMA, bringing that to the forefront. You know, of course, the community, et cetera. I like the way that you're putting it together. So that's awesome. The fact that I'm able to just be part of the movement, that's also awesome. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I'll send everybody out that link. This way you can go ahead and check out that new music video. Yes. And really quick also, um, what is, where can people find you? Um, Where, what is uh, the links online? Tell me real quick off the bat so people can look you up. It's very easy. Puerto Rican-ism. So it's Puerto Rican, P-U-E-R-T-O-R-I-C-A-N. I-S-M, Puerto Rican-ism. You can find me there on YouTube. You can find me there on Twitter. It's all universal. When I used to have a Facebook, it was Puerto Ricanism, so it's easy. All one word, Puerto Rican, I-S-M, prism. That's what it is, man. That's dope. Um, anything, uh, any other fight stuff you want to talk about, you want to address really quick before we get out of here? Anything that we didn't get to t- t- touch on? I think, we covered, I think we covered a lot. I think uh, the only thing that I can think of at this point in time is simply the fact that Joanna Jacek is trying to make her way back to the title, but as long as Rose Mama Eunice has that, I don't know if it's gonna be possible. I feel I think it's a bad style matchup. Uh, you're right. I think it's gonna be difficult. Um, really quick, uh, it it looks like Claudia Claudia Gadeja, who is an incredible athlete, she's always competed for the fifteen or the one fifteen pound strap. Seems like her and Brian T City, you know the the, the gentleman. I don't know. It looks like they might be be, be about that life, man. Or, or is this a good oh, MMA match? You know what I'm looking forward to. Final thing on this. 125 pound woman champion dude uh i think valentina shevchenko is gonna run through that girl i know i just can't wait i just can't wait because i think valentina definitely deserves a title she's a very solid human being uh a dedicated martial artist um she puts her skills on the line i I saw her in person five feet away from me doing her warm-ups in the ring and I'm just watching her move and all of the movements that she's doing while she's doing her shadow boxing she employs in the cage she actually utilizes all of her techniques yeah. so that's one thing I have to say about you know, uh, Valentina Shevchenko uh, I've had the opportunity to, to watch her train so I know for a fact that when I see her I respect her as, a, as an overall martial artist I like the way her demeanor is how she carries herself and how she represents the martial arts in general 
That's it, man. Wait, salute, salute to Valentina. She does come out here, and uh, when she's out in town, she trains at uh, Team Rezovich, uh here a lot of times in downtown. I know she trains at a couple other places in Chicago, but she's she's frequently in Chicago. So, uh, salute to Valentina, um, Prism brother. Salute to you, man. Um, we will absolutely do this uh, again very, very soon. And uh, yo, this is the Fight Podcast, man. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, yo. Any uh, any final any final any final shots? <laughs> That's all, man. Shout out to the Fight Podcast. There it is, brother. Well, all right, Papa. I appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk soon, man. Actually, I'll probably shoot you a line in a second. All right, all right, all right, man. Peace out. Boom. There it is, uh, Fight News with Prism. Uh, we want to thank Prism for uh, being with us this week. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, he will absolutely be back on the show. Granted, make sure uh, we'll slow down, uh, or at least not. I'll have timers set on that. won't be as long. <laughs> but, uh, man, when I'm able to talk to somebody who actually has a wealth of knowledge like him, man, I know we could end up talking all day. So, uh, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. All right. We have our IG story poll. This week's IG story poll, uh, I posted and I post this every each and every week on the Fight Podcast Instagram story. Um, and we'll end up just asking random questions. I'll ask a couple throughout the week. And, you know, with the ones that we end up getting the most traction from, we will go ahead and post on the show. So this week, the question that I asked was, will John Jones fight? this year 33 percent of the listeners believe that he will indeed not fight this year man <laughs> i'm be honest with you i mean hey you know how i feel about it um but only time will tell i think that he's going to sneak in and dana white figured out a way to get him in under the wire and he will end up headlining that november ufc in madison square garden so uh only time will tell but we will go ahead and see all right Next up, we have your turn to talk portion of the show. Again, remember, this is a news part of the show. Uh, we are able to talk uh, directly and interact with you, the listeners. So uh, ask questions. Make sure you go on our uh, IG page as well. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. And uh, we will go ahead and answer your questions here on air. So the first question that we have comes from Steve. Uh, Steve asks, does wrestling become the only background from which champions come from? Yo, that's emphatically no. I think we talked about a lot today with Prism, and I feel like I'm getting a lot of that. And I think people are asking that question a lot, in particular because of what Henry Sohodo just did to Demetrius Johnson. And look, I get it, right? We're all kind of being a prisoner of the moment. Everybody's like, you know, ooh, yeah, like, that's great. That's what it is. Same thing happened when, you know, Machida, you know, there, there's, there's the realms, there's the eras of certain things. 
things, not saying that wrestling is not important because it is. It is hands down one of the most components of the sport. But it is not the only aspect that is necessary. And I don't know if I can say it's the most important one. So we'll see. uh, But I have to say emphatically, no. All right. um, The next question. And we we do have one more question. Who is the UFC's middleweight champ by the end of next year? Oh, man, that's a good one. All right. So we know that the champ is going to go ahead and Robert Whitaker is the middleweight champ in the UFC. He is slated to go ahead and fight Kelvin Gastelum at some point early next year. I'm thinking probably going to be like January, early February. He has a, or Robert Whitaker that is, has like a messed up shoulder. They are actually currently filming the new season of The Ultimate Fighter where Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker are coaches against each other. So they're definitely going to fight. But... Luke Rockhold is about to fight Chris Weidman. Bohachina is going to go ahead and fight Yoa Romero. And Israel Adesanya is about to go ahead and fight Derek Brunson. Man, there's so many good fights in that weight class. The fanboy in me wants to... Okay, so my dark horse. My dark horse is... Israel Adesanya. I think the UFC is bringing him up the right way. His takedown defense and his anti-wrestling is getting better and better. So I think he is someone that is extremely dangerous. His striking is top-notch. No one in that division right now, I believe, can stand with him. So Israel Adesanya Stylebender is my dark horse. I think Kelvin Gaslam and Robert Whitaker match up really, really well together. It would be easy for me to say Robert Whitaker, but I'm going to go with Gaslam. I think it's his time. And I think that those UL Romero fights are going to take a, or have taken a lot out of Robert Whitaker. Yoel probably Boachina. You know what? I'm going to say Kelvin Gaslam. If it's not um, Israel Adesanya, I'm going to rock with Kelvin Gaslam. I think he's really developing and coming into his own. He's starting to develop physically into that weight class. He's blitzed some of the best in the division. And um, honestly, you know what? As of right now, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb. And I believe next year, 2019, will be the year of Kelvin Gaslam. And he will end up winning that belt all right um we're coming to the end of the show but we will not end without my week's hot takes so this week uh my first hot take of the day is man i wish that the dana white tuesday night contender series was every week for the rest of the year it is my favorite 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 thing that the ufc is doing even i feel better than the normal shows that they put out it's the best show that they've had since the first few seasons of the ultimate fighter i've talked about it a lot 
Um, the fighters that come out of there are legit. Most of the people, even some of the losers, you can throw in to the UFC currently and they'll compete. So I really, really, really love that series. I actually, as salty as that I am, that they are, that this past week was the eighth week and the show is over. I am excited and I do like that they they only give you two months. Take your two months. We're going to give you some of the most badass prospects in the world. Enjoy, enjoy a well-produced show where you don't have to go to some like sleazy gym in the middle of nowhere to catch, you know, some local regional circuit. You can actually watch these guys and girls compete in like one of the best produced, best put together show out there. I love the series. Salute to everybody involved, though Dana White, who's in a contender series, is one of my favorites. I mean, look at this season, even this season, the amazing people that have come out of it. You, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, man. All right. This next hot take is one that, uh, it's it's been bothering me, man, and it it has to say is boxers. If any of you are listening, you need to stop calling out MMA fighters, man. It's starting to sound ridiculous, and honestly, MMA fighters, vice versa. Stop calling them out. I bring it up because Javante Davis, the the lightweight uh, champion, you know, these uh, part of the Mayweather team. Um, beast, total beast, knocks people's faces completely off. Um, he is a potential superstar in the realm of boxing. Um, this past week he said he wanted to fight, <laughs> and you know the level of disrespect was ridiculous. He says he wants to fight, and I quote, "the guy who beat Cody in MMA." Bruh, yo, just focus on boxing. A lot of these boxers, and I bring it up again, like James Tony when he came in and fought Randy Couture. You cannot just step into another man's sport and think you're going to win. Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather. It's not going to happen. There's different levels to it, and these are just levels that they do not have. And then sometimes when these guys go out there and they're talking about... (laughs) they're talking specifically about you know fighting mma fighters they're like okay we're gonna fight an mma fighter but no kicks no no you have to punch you know between the waist up and uh you know you gotta have shoes on no takedowns no grappling no clinch work man yo you just want to box that's not what it is. If you want to fight MMA, go compete in MMA. And the same thing, if you want to box, just like Conor McGregor did, as much as we all know, I'm not the huge, the biggest fan of his. He manned up and went and fought the best in his sport. And I will always respect that man for it. So, Javante Davis, yo, you're a beast. If you want to fight MMA, come on fight MMA, but, you know, do yourself a service, learn how to wrestle and learn how to do everything else. And, uh, and then try to, to compete against, uh, TJ Dillashaw, who is the greatest 135 pound fighter 
in history. <laughs> this is the Fight Podcast. And that's all about the time I have for today. I'd like to thank Juan Adams, the Kraken, for joining me again um, on uh, the podcast. Um, His career is going to take off, man. Uh, Congrats again for landing that that, that UFC contract and winning in week seven of the Dana White Contender Series. I also want to thank Prism. Puerto Ricanism for jumping in and uh, helping out today with fight news and having a great just conversation about uh, MMA and uh, just combat sports in general. Really do appreciate his time. Next week on the Fight Podcast, we have another exclusive interview. Um, it's another gentleman who has uh, won, has recently gotten a uh, contract on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, and you are just going to have to wait and see who that is. I can't wait for that interview that you would hear that interview. It's a great one. Uh, and um, we have, you know, that and more uh, with the rest is going on in the combat sports world. There's no fights coming out this week, so uh, we probably won't have a post-fight interview uh, this weekend. Uh, either way, uh, we will have we'll be back next time. Uh, this is Sergi Senta, and thank you so much for joining us today in episode 25 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fire Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fire Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out at thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch. And you know what? As always, thank you again for listening to the Fire Podcast. I will see you next time right here in Chicago on the Fire Podcast. Peace out. Oh, man, that sounded awkward. Peace out. Boom. Mm. <laughs>